Recent data from the American Cancer Society has documented that 14.5 million survivors of cancer live in the United States at the present time. There is evidence that cancer rehabilitation will improve the quality of their lives. I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard, and you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD. With me today is Dr. Julie Silver. Dr. Silver is an associate professor at Harvard Medical School in the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. She's also co-founder of Oncology Rehab Partners. Thank you, Dr. Silver, for joining us today. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. To begin with, could you explain to me what is cancer rehabilitation? Sure. I think one of the ways to think about cancer rehabilitation is to think about a stroke patient. If someone has a stroke, then the next thing that happens is they are screened or um, looked at for their impairments. And we would never take someone who had a stroke and just say, listen, go join a yoga class or an exercise class. Instead, we would send them to physical therapy and speech therapy and so on. So for cancer rehabilitation, it's really the same thing. We want to make sure that the first thing we do is identify the problems cancer survivors are having and then send them to appropriate rehabilitation healthcare professionals. What are some of those factors that you identify that lead to a poor quality of a cancer survivor? Well, physical problems far outpace emotional problems, believe it or not. I mean, it's very devastating to get a cancer diagnosis. But we are so resilient that, in fact, we sort of regroup and are able to handle the diagnosis itself. But when physical problems plague us, then that's when we become really discouraged and start having a reduced quality of life. Those physical problems can include problems with balance. They can include pain. They can include having difficulty lifting your arm overhead, uh, putting your bra on, putting your clothes on, going back to work, swallowing, speech, all these different things. Well, it sounds like a team approach is necessary for what you're describing. That's right, absolutely. A team approach just like we do for other serious illnesses or injuries. I also know that you have started what is called the STAR program. Has this made a difference in physical disability results? Yes, it has. The STAR program is a certification that hospitals and cancer centers undergo, and STAR programs are located throughout the United States. And what happens is that if someone has cancer and they're being treated, then they would go into a STAR program and they would get their rehabilitation there. And that's part of the cancer center or part of the cancer care continuum at that hospital, which is a multidisciplinary team of of very experienced and skilled healthcare professionals. Are we seeing this in most hospitals? Could you give me an idea how available this program is? Cancer rehabilitation is mandated to be available to all cancer survivors throughout the United States. But the truth is that not everyone has access to this care. So there are STAR programs throughout the United States, and we're always encouraging hospitals and cancer centers to adopt the STAR program so that this care is available to everyone. It really should be automatic in the same way that it's automatic for someone who has a stroke or automatic in terms of someone that has a hip replacement and so on. Who makes most of the referrals to the rehab program? Surgeons, oncologists, or even kind of come from a family member? Referrals can occur from a lot of different people. Um, survivors themselves often refer. 
but my own personal belief is that it really needs to come from the doctors, and if it doesn't come from the doctors, then there need to, needs to be systems in place. For example, if someone had a stroke, we wouldn't say, listen, you just had a stroke. You're responsible for figuring out that you need rehab and what kind of rehab you need. So that just doesn't make any sense. Um, right now, it's survivors uh, have to sort of advocate for themselves for this care, but in an ideal world and in STAR programs, we tell our programs that they need to screen all of the survivors and make sure that they, as the healthcare professionals, are the ones identifying the problems and getting the patients to the right place. So this might begin right at the first care conference that you might have at the bedside. Absolutely. Or a lot of cancer patients are never hospitalized. So a lot of this care happens on an outpatient basis. And so at the first appointment or the first one of the first appointments, the patient would be screened for any kind of physical or emotional problems. And then as treatment happens, keep in mind that these patients may have surgery and then chemotherapy and then radiation therapy and all kinds of different things that they should be periodically screened over time. Is there any data to substantiate that this helps as opposed to people who have opted out or don't participate in a STAR program or in a rehab program? There's really good research to show that there's a significant gap in care and that with this gap in care, meaning that patients are not getting rehabilitation services, that they are having worse outcomes. Uh, in fact, we know that rehabilitation really helps people to function at a higher level. We often say focus on function, and that is something that, that has to do with what they're doing at home and being able to go back to work. Even being able to pick up your grandchildren or, or go to the movies or, or celebrate a holiday, these are really important things in people's lives, and you have to be able to function well and not have a lot of pain and be able to move your body well to do these things. So you're defining outcomes different than how my tumor is doing and how my blood count is doing uh, and how I'm healing, but it's, you're defining uh, it in a much different way, in a much more global way as far as quality is concerned. That's such a good point. For so many years, we've been really thinking about the cure. And now the majority of cancer survivors, more than 70%, will actually live five or more years, many of them cured or with their cancer in permanent remission. And so we need to switch gears and start thinking about, okay, you know, if we have all of these people who are going to live for many years after their cancer diagnosis, how are they functioning and do they have the best possible quality of life, meaning that they physically and emotionally are functioning optimally? Have you noticed in the patients that you're seeing that their personality strengths determine how they do post treatment as far as quality of life is concerned? We all have certain personality traits and natural gifts in terms of our ability to follow the doctor's orders, participate in our own care, and so on. But there's also external factors that play a role. For example, how much support did you get? Did you get the right instructions? Uh, were there healthcare professionals there help, ready to help you uh, do the things that you needed to do, such as physical therapy and so on. So I would say it's really a mix of not only the patient's natural tendencies and, and uh, ability to participate in his or her care, and we call that patient-centered care. So we focus on that, really engaging that patient, making sure that patient's empowered and so on. But also, we don't just say to the patient, look, it's up to you, you figure it out. 
If you're just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard, and joining me today is Dr. Julie Silver, Associate Professor, Harvard Medical School in the Department of Physical Medicine and Therapy, and we're talking about a new modality, cancer rehabilitation, to improve the quality of cancer survivors, which now number over 14 million. Since you mentioned that so many patients receive their therapy not even coming into the hospital, do you begin your rehabilitation at home? Do you use groups where people with common problems join together? The ideal way to approach this from a rehabilitation perspective is individually initially. So these are one-to-one appointments with patients and physical therapists or patients and doctors like me, physiatrists, or patients and speech therapists, and so on. So one-to-one care to, to really focus on that person's individual needs. And then what happens is the patient is transitioned to, for example, a, a group exercise class at a hospital or out in the community. But keep in mind that starting with a group exercise class is not ideal for many survivors who have problems, and that would be similar to sending a lot of stroke patients out to a group exercise class without offering them rehab first. That just wouldn't be appropriate. Yeah, I'm sure that exists even in patients without cancer. You get into a class of yoga and somebody is turning themselves into a pretzel and you're just a beginner. So you think you should be able to do that. So I can see where you begin to compete, and that might be a very bad idea in a group. It is a bad idea, but even more than that is that these patients have very specific impairments. And physical impairments are not treated in exercise classes. Um, That's not how we treat medical problems or physical impairments. We treat them individually and specifically. So, for example, let's say a woman has breast cancer and she has a mastectomy. And now she has frozen shoulder, which is what we technically call adhesive capsulitis. It would not be appropriate to send her to a group exercise class to treat adhesive capsulitis. That is something that would need to be treated individually with physical therapy. And then if physical therapy failed, that patient could be referred to an orthopedic surgeon for manipulation under anesthesia and possibly an injection in the shoulder. Yeah, I I certainly agree with you. People who have orthopedic problems need individual care. These are non-cancer patients, and certainly uh, that individual laying on of hands makes a huge difference. Going back to that, though, do you find that your patients at a certain time begin to bond as there is a benefit with other survivors? In other words, do survivors begin to share their wisdom and their hopes, especially as they begin to improve the quality of their lives? Well, I think there's a role for support groups, and that may be what you're sort of getting at, is what is the role of support groups. But that's very different than cancer rehabilitation. And so I like to kind of compartmentalize them so that people don't get confused. There's a role for support groups. There's a role for cancer survivors sharing their experiences and so on. But cancer rehabilitation is really very much designed to focus on that person's physical problems and in turn improving their physical status will help them emotionally. There's no question that the focus is now on readmissions to hospitals. Insurance payment is being affected. Hospitals are being penalized. Have you been able to substantiate that your physical therapy programs can reduce admissions or readmissions for complications and that this may indeed influence payment system so that physical therapy is compensated the way it should be? 
That's a very good question, and cancer has a lot of different diagnoses and a lot of different treatments, but let me give you an example. There was a recent systematic review that looked at lung cancer patients that were treated with rehabilitation before they ever started any cancer therapy, before they had surgery and so on. And they compared those studies with the studies of people who only got physical therapy and so on after they had surgery and other treatment. And in fact, when it came to reducing hospital length of stay and improving the results of these patients, the evidence was much stronger for those patients that got the physical therapy and the the pulmonary rehabilitation before they started the cancer treatment and then continued with it after they had surgery and so on. Yeah. In your literature, you talk about prehabilitation. Is this what you're talking about? Prehabilitation is exactly what I'm talking about. Prehab is really those interventions that are designed to improve outcomes before you even start treatment. An easy way to look at that is if someone's going to have an elective surgery, like a hip replacement or knee replacement, what interventions can you do to get that person's leg and their body and so on as strong as possible before they ever even have surgery? And we know that it improves outcomes. So when we think about cancer, there's this window of time between diagnosis and the start of treatments, and we want to do assessments to get a baseline and know the starting point. And then we also want to do uh, interventions that really are designed to improve outcomes, and that's an example, the pulmonary example with lung cancer is a really good example and a really important example about how we can improve outcomes and decrease hospital length of stay, decrease hospital readmissions, and so on. So would you even consider continuing this rehab program even during treatment if the patient can tolerate it? Yes, absolutely. You want to get that patient right from the start, encourage him or her to do very specific types of exercises as well as things to try and decrease stress, and then you want them to continue with that throughout treatment as long as it's safe. And again, this should be really monitored by healthcare professionals so that that there is this uh, uh, built-in safety for the patient. Talking to you today makes me realize so much that there is so much more than just the diagnosis and the initial treatment in the care of cancer patients. Rehabilitation opens up vistas to improve quality of care in the life of what is now a chronic disease. Dr. Silver, I want to thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. It was a pleasure, and I really appreciate you sharing this information with your listeners. This is Dr. Maurice Pickard, and if you've missed any of this discussion, please visit ReachMD.com to download this podcast and many others in this series. Thank you for listening.